0: Family Church, family.
1: All right. It's so good to have you. Get your first time with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Second time with us. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, third time, fourth time. Uh, we've suckered you in for life. <laughs> Thank you. No, we do. We love you and we appreciate you so very much being a part of us. I know. I know you could be lots of places today. Um, you, you could have used the excuse, the time change messed you up, right? How many of you, time change, messes you up? (laughs) Mine won't mess me up too bad until tonight, because I'm going to be used to my time going to bed, and I'll be off on that, and then it probably will mess me up on when I get up in the morning, Um, although I could probably stand getting up earlier anyways. But, no, we do do know that uh, finding an excuse is not hard. I mean, it just isn't. If you're digging for one, it's not not hard to find. So I do appreciate you not allowing an excuse to get in your way of being here in His congregation with His people. Being in His presence and worship and being in His Word today. Thank you so much. It means a lot to me. Ephesians chapter 3 is where we are going to be. We are... I'm going to be actually all over the place. Going to be honest with you, I want to start here and then I also want to end here. Um, Ephesians chapter three, I think. I think our computer is. Oh, oh, that's good. No, you're good. That's fine. We all we all get it. We all, everybody either has it on their phone or on their, uh, on their lap, open up anyway. So Ephesians chapter three, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. On your iPhone. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start reading verse 14. And we're going to read through verse 21. We're going to go through all this, then I'm going to take a step back. We're going to kind of view our church service at 30,000 feet. Just kind of see what maybe God would want um, for us to be a part of today. As an invitation into our life of realizing what is it. What I want to talk to you about today is what is it that draws God Into our life. Now if you're anything like me. That already blows my mind. That our incredibly. Wonderful God. Holy. Powerful. And absolutely perfect in every way. wants to. Be involved in this lump of clay. But he does. He does. So knowing that he does. I want to honor and respect that and live a lifestyle that is going to be conducive to see him moving in my life. Um, We live in a day and age in which we have so much information. We have information overload. In, In 30 seconds, you can have all the information you want to know just about any subject you want to know about it crazy part is is we don't even know what all information is really right. right We don't even truly understand what's right, what's 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 real, what's fake, what's 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 real news, what's fake news we don't know what's uh, what to believe sometimes and and we live in a very strange day and age in which we are all we're having to test the spirits daily everywhere all the time because we don't want to be led astray and there certainly is. A lot of that going on in this world. Talking with a lot of youth that I get to talk with. They have information coming out their ears. But they still hunger for truth. They still hunger for what is real. In fact, I've had that question asked a lot. And so, in, in a way, it's kind of like we have a whole pantry full of stuff. But we really don't know how to throw it together and make something out of it. Something worthwhile. Something worthwhile. So, we're going to do that today. We're going to go deeper into having those ingredients, but how can we put them together? How can we put those together to sit down at a table with our Lord and converse with Him? We'll start here again, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 14. There she is. Thank you, Miss Jill. Pulling double duty, I know. Appreciate you. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees. And this is New King James, so may read a little different in yours. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Ooh, that's a lot. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man, That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, and the height. Okay, my mind's already blown, right? Can you comprehend that? Good, I'm in good company, (laughs) because I can't either. Pregnant pause for a second, but just just read that again in in, in your own mind. Just that that verse, verse 18. Not me reading it to you. You. So as you try to contemplate that and the smoke begins to roll out of your ears. That's holy smoke. You've ever wondered where that phrase came from? There it is. It's that, that when the gears go grinding and winding trying to comprehend that. It's so hard for us. So hard for us. But yet that's what we are invited to do. It's what Paul is praying for. The church of Ephesus That's what he's praying for them. Let's move on to verse 19, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness, it's almost like it just got crazier, with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do even bigger than that, Paul is crazy, Right? Apparently, who in the world would would write such crazy things like, I want you to comprehend the love of Christ, big, wide, deep, high. And then on top of that, I want you to know that he wants to fill you with the fullness of who God is. And then as if my prayer could not get any bigger, I trust he can exceed what I'm praying for. And maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But I read that and I go, Paul, what are you saying? Why would you write this stuff down knowing that this is impossible? Or maybe it's the invitation that makes it possible. Right? Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in who? This just got complicated, right? How many, don't have to say it out loud. I'll I'll bust my own self out. How many of you have ever told God, God, I trust you. I just don't always trust me. God, I believe you can do it, and I I, I trust that you can. But God, I'm not really quite sure about this lump of clay here, um, because I know this lump of clay has weaknesses and fears and doubts and worries and anxieties and um, I, I know this might be hard for some of y'all to believe, but but I'm a whole lot harder on myself than probably anybody else on this planet. Oh, I will beat the stuffing out of myself some days. And so, in light of that, I read a passage of scripture that makes it go, makes me go, scratch head, blown mind. What are you doing, Lord? What's going on here everybody say us in verse 21 to him be the glory there's the key in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever so be it right amen Father, we need your word today. We need your word today. We need your word today. I need your word today. I need it, Lord. I love your word. I love I love how you can speak truth into our life through this word. I love how you can show us. Who you are through this word. I love how you can give us direction through this word. I love how you can give us correction through this word. I love how you can open up a complete brand new transforming mind through this word. I love how you can renew us through this word. I love how this word was given for us. I love how you step when you stepped into humanity. You stepped into it by being the word made flesh. And you gave us fully your word so that we could get your word and live in your word. I thank you for that. I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord God, your will be done. God, let my, not my words come out, but yours. Uh, Father, I pray that you would position us, Lord, to receive what it is that you have in store for us today. I pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. What a... This is actually... Um, and I, I, I know I've actually preached, touched on this two or three different times, maybe more because um, this is just one of my favorite passages. It's one of my favorite prayers in in, in the Bible that uh, Paul is praying for his church, a church that we learned through our Bible study on Wednesday nights, the church that he's been pouring his life into for years. Now, even though he was he stayed in Ephesus the, the longest time of any of the churches, in any of the areas, he stayed there and poured into this church longer than any other area. Um, he has some for some reason some connection to this. Not only does he have a connection to this, um, God is doing a pretty cool thing there by bringing in some of the some of the big dogs in the sainthood here, right? How many of you have heard of a guy by the name of John, John the Apostle, right? He's here in this church. How many of you heard of a little lady by the name of Mary, Jesus's mother? She's here in this church. She's in the Church of Ephesus because John is taking care of her and. John takes her. They go and they're serving here in this church. Have you ever heard of a, a little whippersnapper in the in the faith by the name of Timothy? Right. I know. When I was younger, uh, I'm still a young man, and don't y'all forget it. <laughs> I know, but but when I was much younger and uh, trying to figure out this whole ministry thing, uh, I spent a lot of time in Timothy because I knew that he was a young man, also being led by the Lord to be in ministry. And so I spent a lot of time in that. Timothy, we know lit- letters are being written to him. He was a man of God for sure. Well, he is also, uh, maybe not at this time, but very soon to be pastor of this church at Ephesus. So you've got all kinds of, of, of big dogs of the faith that are in this church. Paul himself spent a lot of time in this church. Paul was really, really, his heart was about this church This church, believe it or not, was a very growing, very influential church at a very, very dark time and very, very dark season of the world. Does that ring a bell? Does does what we're dealing with on a daily basis, is it surprise God at all? Absolutely not, but he has a plan for us, and he has a plan, I think, to work in his church. We're still his church, guys. We're still his church. We're still his bride. We're still the one that he's coming back for. Right? And if you think it's bad now, wait and see what happens when the church is pulled out. Okay? Um, in fact, there are some, some theological ways of looking at it is God is using the church to actually hold back the enemy. Right? That you are part of that army of the Lord that is pushing forward the light into dark places. That you are that, that, that lamp. You are that city set on a hill. You are that lamp that's put into the middle of the room. You are the one who, he said, I've cleared your eye up so that you can have a different perspective. This is according to Jesus in Matthew and in Luke for sure. When Jesus says, the, 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 who, who lights a lamp and puts it under a... There you go. How many of you read your Bible? All right. We used to say, hide it under a bushel. No, and when I was a kid, I had no idea what a bushel was. No idea. Can can I be honest with you? I thought, because there was someone who always sat in front of me with a really big hairdo. Every time I thought about hiding under a bushel, I thought about her hairdo. I did. Steph knows who that hairdo probably is. Uh We called it the tsunami hairstyle. It was like... Boom. It was like all there. And so I said, hide it under. No. Because <laughs> the hair, hairspray would, would whoosh. And pins would flow out. I'm, I'm, I know. I'm sorry. I, I digress. But hide it under a basket. <laughs> no. He says, who lights up? Who lights, up a, who, puts a, who lights a lamp and sticks it in a closet? Right? It doesn't make sense. So if he says, if it doesn't make sense in this earth, I'm the one that created sense. So if I'm going to light you up, I'm going to stick you in a dark place. So that all who are in the house can receive. Like, if, if it wasn't a dark season, there'd be no need for the lamp. Right? So the season is calling for you to live in it. And to be in it. He wants to do so by making your eye clean and clear. Luke chapter 11, he says it that way. He says, right? He said, because the eye is the lamp of the body. And he says, if you can see well, then your whole body is lit up. The Amplified says into every corner and every crack and every crevice of your body. What he's saying is, is your perception and your perspective, how you see things. He said, if the eye is clean and healthy and good, then the rest of the body will be clean and healthy and good as well. But if the eye is unhealthy or cloudy in some translations, or in another translation, evil, then he says, then if you think your darkness is your light, then you're at a really messed up stage in life. And that's what we see. That's what we see. And then we we compound on that... A, a, a complexity of working with people Whew. how many of y'all work with people and you make the complexity of working with people and people are people and <laughs> preach it sister <laughs> people are people but, but you know what is really crazy to think about we go to that passage of scripture where Jesus says, Hey, hypocrite, before you help somebody get with a speck in their eye, do what? Get the big landscape timber out of yours. Get the big log you got, pull that out first. And we, we use that, and the world uses it like a weapon, like, You can't judge me. Well, first of all, some of your fruit is not hard to judge because you've got it hanging out everywhere. But the point to that passage is this. He says, first, get the log out of your eye so that you can help that person with the speck in their eye. Now, he does it in a way to, to teach you that you're not perfect, so don't go busting in there like you are. But he also says, I'm going to pull the log out of your eye so that you can go to someone and say, hey, if Jesus did this for me. And Jesus can do this for you. It's not a judgmental spirit, but it's a spirit that says, hey, Jesus wants to work in your life. Jesus wants to be involved in your life. Jesus wants, He, he wants His presence to be drawn into your life. He's invited you to be drawn up into His. What an incredible invitation. What an absolutely incredible invitation. And one of the first things that draws God into our life is repentance. And I, I've said this two or three times lately. I know I have. And I, I guess it's for the reason that we got to make sure we never get past that point. Of thinking that we don't need to lay before God and say, I'm sorry that um, I've, if I've offended you in any way. Lord, I, I don't want that in my life, that I respect and I honor and I fear you enough to say, God, if there's anything going on in my life, I give you permission to get it out. Right? Um, if we don't have that healthy respect for God, I think we're totally missing, missing how holy he is. And I talked about this last week, that he's not your homeboy. He, he is God. Now, is he a friend that sticks closer than a brother? Absolutely. Um, but he is God. He is absolutely God and we must see Him as such. That I must see Him as such. And so repentance. But the cool part is is repentance always draws God close to us. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. That contrite especially means that I'm broken before you, God. I'm contrite. I repent. I am sorry, in the Lord's Prayer. How many of you have memorized the Lord's Prayer? I pray the Lord's Prayer once every day. Now, not exactly verbatim, but I use that like a, like a way to pray and a way to, to draw close to God in my prayer time. I, I use that. Um, and, and in the middle of that, I, I first realize, you are holy, you are holy, God. And I come to you as a person with unclean lips, like Isaiah said, in a land full of unclean lips. Right? But God, I'm sorry. And then he says, then forgive all of those who have trespassed in the old King James, deaded in new King James, all those who have sinned against me. I forgive them. Now, a lot of times I'll skip over that one. If I'm struggling with somebody, sometimes we just kind of ride around that one. Right? Um, I could go deeper on that and it would bust us all out. So I'll leave that one alone for right now, maybe another day. But the truth of the matter is is there's there's his presence in forgiveness. That's why he came in the first place. So if you want God, if you want the presence of God to be drawn into your life, you live a lifestyle of repentance, of just realizing that, God, you first, me second. Your way, not mine. Okay? Let's move on. Worship. Now, this is a really, really big one. It, it, God is drawn into worship. Now, I know a lot of times when we think of worship, we think of like what they do beautifully every Sunday, leading us in music and singing. And um, I, did, I did have to catch myself today. I forgot this thing was on. And y'all almost got blasted, and then y'all would have had Lord, please forgive him for the offense that he just did. Um, but well, a lot of times, that's what we think of when we think of worship. But really, what true worship is is uh, that's where we get prayer. That's where we get uh, all of these things we do that say, "God, you're worth my time. You're worth my effort." That's worship. That's where anytime you say any, every time you say you are worth. This effort, this time, me reading the word, me being in my prayer time, me going to church, me serving other people—it's all done for the purpose of what? Worship, right? Uh, it's all done for the purpose of worship. But worship is, is simply put, worship is drawing near to Him. So in some ways, worship actually draws you, pulls you up instead of pulling Him down. Does that make sense? But yet you get closer. James 4 8 says this draw near to God and he will what? The Bible says draw near to God and he possibly, maybe could sometimes when he feels like it, draw near to you. Is that what he says? No. He says, draw near to God. And he I love the book of James. It's it's very it's very tangible. In, in how to live a life for God. It's kind of like the Proverbs of the New Testament. How many of you like the book of James? It's got some wisdom in it. And here's one of the wisest things you can know. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on, no matter what you did, no matter what you didn't do, no matter what you feel like, draw near to God. Draw near to God. And why? Because He'll draw near to you. Is that not what we want? Right? If I were to ask everybody in this hand, raise your hand if you want to grow closer to the Lord, I guarantee every hand would go up and say, yes, I definitely do. Well, how do you do that? Let me answer that question. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's that repentance thing again, right? Worship draws him in. Singing praises draws him in. Singing is, is very important to God. Make a joyful noise. Praise the Lord he says that. right. Uh, that's why the book of Psalms is the largest book in the entire Bible. It's full of worship. It's that, that style of worship. That those songs to be sung. Do you know he sings over you? Right? Zephaniah 3.17 He sings a song over you. He has written a song with you in mind, and he sings it over you. Holy cow, I bet he has some pipes. The last time he blasted those pipes out, we still can't measure the galaxy that's still going. And yet he says, that's how much I love you. Right? I got to move on. We can spend more time on that, but I think y'all are getting that. Obedience. So third is obedience. The third thing that draws God in is obedience. Now, some, some of you may say, what about faith, Pastor? Exactly. Because it takes faith to obey. That's why faith is such a big deal. Because it takes faith to obey. It takes a trust to say, God, I, I don't understand it, but I'm going to do it. It takes a trust to say, God, if that's you, bid me to get out of this boat and walk towards you. It takes takes faith to obey what God is asking you to do. It takes faith to do that. So obedience is big. 1 Samuel 15.22 1 Samuel 15.22 So Samuel said, has the Lord... As great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. There's nothing wrong with sacrificing, but you remember when Jesus came, they were sacrificing in the temple, and those that were sacrificing in the temple missed Jesus. Right? Now, he never says get rid of sacrifice, but he says to obey is better, which means obedience is your key to where you are supposed to sacrifice and how you're supposed to. It's sacrifice with a purpose, right? We're not just killing the fatted calf because we want a barbecue. No, we, although that sounds pretty good because it's getting close to noon, right? there's a purpose behind that sacrifice, there's a purpose behind. The obedience of faith. Obedience. If you want to draw close to God, if you want God to draw close to you, if you want God to be in what you are doing, you obey. You obey what he's asked you to do. Some of you haven't heard from God in a while because he's still waiting on you to obey the last thing he told you. Obey. Obedience. Let me go on. The next one's mercy. Matthew 9, 13. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy more than sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He loves mercy. That's why He gives it to you fresh every single day. He loves mercy. He loves how you don't take His mercy for granted. Right? Right? Remember the parable where he, he one of the parables that, that Jesus showed the ferocity of God was when he did a parable about forgiveness. And he says that there were two guys and one owed one guy a few hundred dollars, maybe up to a thousand dollars. And he brought him in and he was going to say, Hey, I'm going to sell, sell you off to slavery if you, don't, if you can't pay me. I'm going to sell your kids off, your wives off, your stuff off if you can't pay me. And he got down on his knees and he said, please, please, give me another chance. Please, please, I'll do whatever it takes. And then that king, that guy said, okay, I'll have mercy on you. In fact, I'll forgive the debt, right? I'll forgive it. And then that guy who was forgiven went out and had some people owing him some money. And he went and got the mafia after him, right? Right? Jesus in that parable actually talks about the ferocity of God, where he pulls him back in and says, you crazy hypocrite, you enjoyed my mercy, but you gave none. Freely you have, now freely you give. It's not just the mercy of us saying, God, I need you, God, I need you, that draws him in too. But did you realize God is also drawn into those moments where you give somebody else mercy? You want God in your business dealings? There you go. You want God in your everyday walk? There you go. You want God in your everyday life? There you go. Right? It's more, giving them mercy is even more than just praying for them. Because some of you may be like me, when you're praying for someone who just, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, Holy Spirit sick 'em. All right. How many of y'all ever prayed that? You don't have to. Holy Spirit, you tag 'em. You get 'em. You make them thirsty all day and have no water. You get 'em. Right? Whatever it is. Mercy. Mercy is something you give that is godly. Right. So when you give that away, you're actually giving godliness, which you don't have to begin with. But yet he set you up to be able to do so. Godliness. Through mercy. The next one is holiness. Just have a couple more. Holiness. You know, what God is still attracted to holiness. He's still going to look for a bride that's spotless. He's still going to look for a a wise virgin. I guess what I'm trying to say is if the Bible says it's sin, it's still sin. Even if I self-justify it. Even if it's something that I want. And I can manipulate. Right? If it's sin, my job is not to say, God, but I want it. My God is, or my job is to step back and say, God, then you help me with it and help me understand why I need to let that stuff go. Until I learn to honor Him with every part of who I am, I don't really mean when I worship Him. Does that make sense? Just, I was talking with the a few teenagers on Thursday morning. And they asked me about, is it okay to live a certain lifestyle? And what they're talking about is actually getting drinking and getting drunk and partying and then still be part of his scene of the kingdom of God. And I said, well, let's put it this way. Until you honor God with every every part of you, everything about you, until you learn to honor God with everything, then you're missing the whole point of worship. These were actually people who told me how much they love to lead worship. And I told them, I said, you don't really understand what worship is, that it's not about you, it's about Him. Make sense? Holiness, Psalm 24 Verses three through four. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. We know first of all that's about Christ, but then Christ has washed us clean and made us holy for the reason of ascending a hill of the Lord and getting close to him again. That's why first Peter 1 15 through 16 says, Be holy, because God is. Holy. Now that word holy doesn't mean like what we think. Where we have absolutely no flaw in us. Okay? That's not what that word holy means. When it talks about God, it is. When it talks about us, the, the verbiage changes to this. Where we find. The word holy, when we are holy, means that we find everything we need and want in Him. In other words, we're holy. His. We're all His. Right? That's what that means. Um, holiness. Holiness leads to this next thing. That he's always God always finds himself in truth. Wherever truth is, he's going to make sure that he shows up in that. Truth. Truth. Um, Psalm 25, verses 4 through 5. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation on you I will wait. God draws close to you when you stand on truth. When you let the Holy Spirit reveal truth to you, which is what part of His job, part of his, the way He ministers to us is by giving us truth. Right? When, when, there, when that action is taking place, God is in the middle of that. Truth. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. I am the Truth, I am the that all three of those things are coming together. That's where he operates. That's how you get close to God in truth, not our truth, right? Because our truth is relative. There's some people in this building that they're freezing to death. Some people in this building, you're sweating. It don't matter. Can I, it doesn't matter what temperature we put it at. That's the way it's going to be. And I am sorry. If you are freezing to death, raise your hand. I will come sit on your lap because I am burning up. <laughs> Steph, was that okay? I'm sorry. I didn't get permission. <laughs> I, I wish we could, you know, please everybody that we, we, we can't. But I've learned that God is not really mostly concerned about pleasing me. He's mostly concerned about me living a life that glorifies Him. And before we look at that and go, what an egotistical God, may we be reminded that He will supply all of our needs according to what? His riches we're in glory. That's why He says, I want you to live a lifestyle that glorifies me so that you can have everything you need in that, because in my glory is everything. Because that word glory means worth. And in his worth, another word means weight, in his weightiness, in his presence, in who he is, you find everything. Right? Truth. Wish I had more time, but we will do last but not least, and I'm going to wrap up with this one. Back to where we started Ephesians chapter 3. And I want you to get some of this. I'm going to read it again. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is praying. He's praying for some people that he loves. For whom the whole family. Now when I say, underline it, underline it. If you, maybe you've got to do it mentally, that's fine. In my Bible, I did So I underline family. There's one time. Family. In heaven and on earth is named. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That that Christ may dwell in your hearts. There's a reason why I put S at the end of that. Plural. I underline that. There's two. Through faith, that you being, and we could even argue that the you is plural in that, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with and I underline all the saints. All the saints. There's three. What is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ? I under that underline that because Christ, before He Went to the trial, the Gethsemane, and the trial. Before he did all that, he looked at his disciples and he says, "Hey, I'm gonna give you a new commandment that you love each other the way that I what have loved you." He says again later. He says, "This is how they're going to know you are my disciples by how good you look when you when you tuck your shirt in, right?" how you smell good with that cologne on Sunday morning. Right? How did he say that they would know that they were his disciples? By them preaching really good. Right? By the sermons you preach, they're going to know. By the songs you sing, they're going to know. Right? By the love you give. They're going to know. To know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that, I underline we. He could have very easily said I. But he said we. Ask or think according to the power that works in. Some of y'all are getting this. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Brother Matt, could you come play? As i wrap this up. Just, y'all give me five more minutes. I know, I know. Fried chicken's calling, I'll let you I'll let you out real soon, I promise But I, I, I just want us to I want us to get the weight of what Paul is praying And saying here In this passage We just talked about at the very beginning of this And now we've gone full circle How astronomically big God's love is right for us to try to comprehend we also talked about how as if that's not crazy enough he goes deeper by saying I want you to be filled with all the fullness of God and if that's not big enough he wants to exceed he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. Do you know why Jesus did 99.999% of the miracles that he did? Because he loved them. Because he loved them. You know why he fed the multitude fish and chips? The Bible said he was moved with compassion. That's a Hallmark card for saying he had love for them. Right? I asked us a couple of months ago, how many of you want to see the power of God, the move of God? And a lot of times when we say that we do focus on our holiness and we kind of focus on, 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 on right but Paul says that's, that, that's only half of it it's only part of it that until I can show up on, at church on Sunday and want to with every fiber of my being want to see God moving in everybody's life because I love you. I'm missing one of the biggest parts of this. Now we all individually come hungry for more of God, right? Why? Why? If it's only about you, that's only half of the equation. You've missed out on a complete other half. Until I can get just as excited about God touching your life as He does touch mine? Let me put it to you this way. For the next six months, I'm, I'm not even going to really prepare sermons at all. Because y'all, y'all are old enough and mature enough. You can get your own sermons. So I'm just going to kind of show up and hang out with you. Some of you'd still be here. But for the most part, you'd be like, well, Lord, if He don't even care enough about me to feed me something spiritually, why am I gonna show up and eat? Right? Right? In other words, you like the fact that I'm thinking about what God wants to say to you all week long, right? And a lot of times, it's not about what God says to me. It's about what God wants to say to you, right? So if I get up and all I care about is my image, not going to work, is it? But this is why Paul said, "You don't. Eat, you can't get it." I know a lot of times we think it blows our mind individually about the love of Christ. He said, you, that's not the point. The point is not for you to do it individually. The point is for you to do it all together. The point is all together. That's how I know the love of Christ is alive. When I can love you in a way that I couldn't do before because now I have the love of Christ. Right? That's what makes this different than a club. Make sense? Would you stand with me? I call him PJ, Pastor Jonathan. He said at the very beginning of service, this is what it's about, right? He said, this is why I want to be here in a group of people. Last week we said it this way. Who in here has faith that God can do anything? Raise your hand. Everybody in I said, that's why I want to be here. Because I want to be around people who can raise their hand and say, I have faith. I need to be in a room full of faith. I need to be in a room full of people that say, I want more of God. I don't need to be in a room full of people that want more show. I need to be in a room of people that want more of God. We try as best as we can to present that. We got to love each other. If that means forgiving some stuff. If that means letting some stuff go. If that means putting myself aside. We got to serve each other. That's how you begin to comprehend the love of God. Every eye closed in this house. Now I want you to pray again for that same one you prayed for earlier today. Just pray for them again. 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 again. Father, I don't care if it's the one right next to me or the one across the room from me. Lord, bless them. Show me ways I can serve them better. You're drawn where love is. Your love. Not just love of this world. Not not man-made, self-justified love and lust. The love of Christ. 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 How many of you want the love of Christ to be here? Father, Father, we pray for each other right now. We pray for one another. We serve one another. We serve one another. We serve one another. We take up our crosses and we follow you. We serve one another. We serve you, Lord. We serve you. Father, if we really want to see a move of God, we'll realize that it's not about moving in me personally. It's about moving in all of us together. Father, I pray for everyone in this room today pray for every single one. That we would all comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the height and the depth and the incredible expansiveness of the love of Christ. And that we would be filled with all fullness of God. And that we would believe that you can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think and i pray this in the name of jesus christ and if you love your neighbor as you love yourself would you say amen amen Amen. god bless you go out and have a wonderful rest of your week
0: thank you so much for listening to the rock creek family church podcast i'm pastor john and again and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us we ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out also if you would rate it and comment let us know how god has blessed you through this podcast we love you we thank you have a blessed day